All right. I know I've been absent for a little bit, but I really feel like I need to get back into it. So without further delay, here is episode four of four times such as this. Sorry, I'm on a leather chair. I promise I'm not, you know, partying or anything. It's a chair and I'm moving because I like to get comfortable. Anyways, so um, today I think would be a good time to go. It's always a good time, but especially right now to go to the Bible. So that's where I'm headed right now. I'm going to go to Ephesians. God's really been telling me, hey, your next podcast is going to be about Ephesians. And I was like, that's awesome. I love Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, to be specific, um, God has just been throwing this everywhere lately. Like, everywhere. Like, on the back of people's license plates. Um, my sister, last night, so we used to have this thing where we would read before we would go to sleep together, and I'm trying to teach her to hear how to hear God's voice. Um, she's only like 13, but I think it's so important for kids to learn how to have a relationship with the Lord when they're young so that when they're old, it just they keep just growing deeper and deeper with the Lord. Um, I think it's, there's something special about the kids' faith. Um, but anyways, it's a whole other topic. Um, so I was like, all right, where are we going? And then she goes, mm, Ephesians 3, 2. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. You have no idea what's been going on in my week or in my life this past week. So I was like, okay, we'll go and read it. Um, and it's just, it's just so freaking good. Like the whole Bible's good. There's some stuff that just hits different. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain it. You'll, you'll get it. You just need to, to open up the Bible and, and start reading it and you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. Sometimes it's conviction and sometimes it's just like, dang, that's good. Or, um, you just like see something differently than the last time that you read that. And you're just like, whoa, God, like, that's so cool. Thanks for showing me that this time, you know? Um, but anyway, so I think what we should do is we should just read Ephesians chapter 3 and then kind of just go for it and talk about it because it's so good. Um, so if you want, you can open your Bibles and follow along with me. It sounds so weird to say, uh, but do it if you want. Um, all right, so I'm just going to start chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Ooh, so good. So, 
I love the Trinity. It's so interesting. Although it is at this point in time, because of our limited human minds, um, cannot fully fathom the Trinity, you just come to a human understanding of what it is. But I love the Holy Spirit. Like, I love Jesus and I love the Father also, obviously, but like, I love the Holy Spirit. Like, that is our way of interacting with God. So, like, pre Jesus, they had God the Father and He'd come in a burning bush or a cloud or He'd, he'd show up big time, which Jesus and the Holy Spirit also show up big time, but it was a little different. And then He had 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament where God was just like, deuces, you guys are on your own just they weren't completely on their own but there was no prophets there was no one who was the middleman between god and the people of israel and then you get to the new testament and jesus appears and you're like what and then those people even though it was only for 33 years got to experience that part of the trinity physically with jesus in human form and then you get post ascension jesus giving us the Holy Spirit, and that is so, so sick. Holy Spirit's always been there. David talks about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but um, New Testament Holy Spirit, Pentecost, goes to everybody. Um, In my understanding, and please, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. And um, I, in my understanding, the Holy Spirit was an anointing that you received, Whereas in the New Testament, it comes a little differently. Um, But anyways, and it talks about that. My whole point of talking about the Holy Spirit is just saying, like, I love any time the Bible mentions the Spirit of God. Um, Because it says that the mystery of Christ has not, was not made known to people in other generations as it is now being revealed or has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So... You know, if you were living in the time of Jesus, it was Jesus walking around being like, hey, listen, I fulfilled these prophecies. Here are some miracles. It's to glorify God the Father. Follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In the Old Testament, it was, here's a prophet who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Got, you know, unless you had some Moses-like experiences where God would physically visit you. There's a number of people in the Old Testament that had experiences like that. And hey, Jesus comes and visits people today too. But um, I just think it's really, really cool. Just the idea of who the Holy Spirit is, how he interacts with us, and how he just like really like pierces your heart. It's so cool. I could talk about the Holy Spirit and I could talk about the Trinity all day long. We're going to go and keep reading in verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So good. Um, yeah, so good. Okay, 
we're just going to keep reading. <laughs> um, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I love the encouragement that Paul gives us. I'm a big encourager. Like, I don't know if you know anything about Barnabas in the Bible. I know that, like, Paul and him went their separate ways and everything. But, like, he was the encourager. And, like, sometimes I feel like that's that's how I am. Like, I love to encourage people to make them feel good about themselves of course, I'm going to tell you the truth as well. So if you're doing something stupid, I'll tell you you're doing something stupid. But I want to, I want you to have confidence in, in the person that God has made you to be and in the plans that he's had for you since the beginning of the world. Like, he knows you and cares for you deeply. And to know that and to walk in the confidence of knowing that changes your life. Um, and so I love encouraging people. And so the encouragement that Paul gives us here of... In Jesus and through faith in Jesus, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Like, what? We get to talk to the creator of the universe whenever we want and confidently go before him knowing that he's there and that he's listening? That's wild. And that's so cool. But if you know anything about the Old Testament, it was completely different. They had a prophet, one main dude or a priest, uh, similar experience changes a little bit, um, but same idea. There's one dude, then there's the people, and then there's God. And God speaks to the one dude, and then the one dude speaks to the people and tells them what God said. Um, so you couldn't just go to the throne of God. You couldn't just go before him confidently. You, It was terrifying. They had a, um, a temple or in the wilderness days, a tent, and there was different rooms of the tent, and the back holy room was where the presence of God dwelt. And the main priest, the high priest, or Moses in some cases, um, would go before God um, and present sacrifices or have a casual conversation or whatever. But God is powerful. He, his presence alone, human beings cannot bear because of the sin that has entered the world. God can't be in the presence of sin. It just, it's not okay. So the priests would have to just purify themselves and do all these different things. Um, and then they would be able to go back there. But with the priests, when they were giving sacrifices, they would tie rope and bells around them so that if they fell dead in the presence of the Lord, they would just get pulled right out. My dad's told me about that before, and I was like, oof, that's crazy. Um, but it's true. God is so powerful and so magnificent, and he literally spoke everything that we see into existence. And we're just itty-bitty, tiny, powerless human beings. Um, so to say, like, in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence, that's incredible. That's awesome. And that's so, like... That is so calming as well because we go through a lot of crappy things in the world, you know. Um, there's, I could list so many things I'm not even going to. But there's so many things that we deal with and we go through. 
And to know that we get to go to the God that has control over everything with freedom and confidence. Whenever we need to talk, God's there. Whenever we're kind of struggling, God's there. And I was, I was in the car the other night and I was just like, God, like, I want to be your best friend. <laughs> like, I really do. Like, we need to go to him like our best friend. You know, we're struggling. Don't just text away. You should go to the Lord first, you know. And obviously getting wise counsel and going to godly people is important. But go to God first. Um, he is way more powerful than your friends and your mom. <laughs> um, he is in control of everything and our prayers mean a lot um, but anyways let's continue verse 14 for this reason oh wait hold up I just need to uh, preface this by saying this is so good and this is one of my favorite parts of the bible and this and another part I forgot where it is but it's a prayer it's so good like Pray this over yourselves. Pray this over other people. Like, oh, it's so good. Okay. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Kneel before the Father. Ooh. Come on. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The love of Jesus is incredible, mind-blowing. Like, if you just sit, and think about it and just let it soak in what like truly how wide long high and deep the love of Christ is it's it's crazy but it's awesome and i'm so so thankful for it i mean he loves us enough to I, this is so cliche and i'm sure all of you have heard this before and if you haven't awesome because it's so good um, <laughs> Jesus loves us enough to take us as we are, but loves us enough to not leave us the way he found us. God wants to change your life. He wants to transform your heart, transform your mind, make you into a new person, take the old, give you new, take the crusty, give you beautiful, whatever you want to say, whatever the opposite of crusty is. He wants to change your life and he loves you so much that he in obedience to the Father, died on the cross for your sins so that you could be transformed, so that you could live a life unbound, so that you could be set free from sin, so that you could experience God's presence in a way that people haven't experienced Him before. God's just pouring out His presence and pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And He wants you to experience that. It's amazing. He wants you to experience freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, freedom from lust, freedom from pornography, freedom from all kinds of things, all kinds of horrible things that keep you chained, keep you chained. We're not meant to live lives in bondage to sin. We're not live. We're not meant to live lives in bondage to 
addiction. We're not meant to live lives in bondage to masturbation. We're not meant to live lives in bondage to stuff that separates us from God's presence. And that's what sin is. Sin is a separator between man and God. And Jesus is the mediator. So we have a separator and a mediator. And I don't know about you, but I really want to be close to God for a multitude of reasons. Um, but the number one being, dude, it's the creator of the universe. Like, that's so cool. Like, we get to know that guy. Like, and he wants to know us. Like, that's so sick. Just even thinking about it, that's awesome. Like, take, like, honestly, I just really want you guys to grasp this. Like, I really want you to. Like, look at the most simple thing, like grass. Look how beautiful the grass is. It's so green, so alive. It grows. It The way it takes carbon dioxide and turns it into oxygen, like trees. And it's beautiful. And God made that. And why did he make it? For us to enjoy. Like, what? That's so nice. And that's so awesome that he thought of that. And it all happened by him speaking it. Like, I don't know about you, but that's some powerful stuff. And I don't know of anybody else that can do that. So why would you want to know or experience anybody else or not experience that? Come on. Come on, guys. So let's finish it off with verse 20 and 21. Sorry, I don't know why I have a habit of like clapping and hitting things. Um, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So that needs to be read again, but I'm going to break it up. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So you know the sin I was just talking about? You can't imagine yourself getting out of it, I'm sure, for some of the things. I'm sure there's some things where you're like, yeah, I can get over that. I just don't want to, and you, but it's possible. You're like, yeah, okay, that's easy. I can get rid of that. But deep down, everybody has at least one two, maybe three things, maybe a lot of things, you're just like, I can't get rid of that. I can't stop doing that. I can't stop thinking that. I can't stop saying that. Trust me, I have some of those things. And I've had, past tense, some of those things. But right here, able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. This... God is so powerful and so amazing that he can literally do, think of the greatest thing ever and multiply it by infinity and that's what God can do. He is so powerful and loves you so much and like I said, he wants to transform your life into something so beautifully awesome that why wouldn't he be able to do all of that? That's so awesome. That's, why wouldn't you want that, you know? I mean, it's, obviously easier said than done to just entrust your deepest soul to a being that, and some people struggle with this more than others, but that you can't see, you know, like I get it. It's hard, but God says blessed is, are those who believe me and have not actually seen me. And you can see the hand of God, but 
I understand some people are like, well, I physically can't see him. I get it. God gets it. But guess what? He can help you get past all of that through the sin, through the anger, through the hatred, through the unforgiveness, all the things that we're not supposed to have in our hearts. He can help us get rid of those things. And then it just ends by saying, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Like, yes, praise Jesus. Hallelujah forever. Because he laid down his life so that we could experience life to the full. So that we could experience freedom from our sins. So that we could experience freedom from just the things that this world tries to pull us into. The world is a nasty place. And people are doing some crazy things out there. But it's a lack of Jesus problem. Not a this problem or that problem or blah, blah, blah. Like people always want to point fingers and everything. But if you really get to the heart and the root of it, it's a lack of Jesus problem. In Proverbs, it says that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And, you know, with people making dumb decisions, and yes, I make dumb decisions too. And I've just made some recently. So I'm not trying to say that I'm like better or anything. But what I'm trying to say is... That wisdom allows you to see that. Wisdom allows you to feel that conviction and recognize what that conviction is and what to do about it. And it starts with the fear of the Lord and understanding his power, understanding his majesty, understanding how great and almighty he is, but also understanding that he loves you so much that he wants to change your life and that he has the power to do that. And trusting in the Lord and giving up And giving it all to him. Do it, dude. It says that we, in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. So confidently go before the throne knowing that God is going to help you. When you repent of your sin and you have a humble heart and you acknowledge that you can't defeat these things on your own, God's like, yep, I'm helping that dude. Let's do it. Let's get this dude cleaned up. And then... You start to experience all these different things. You start getting convicted about things that you may not have been convicted about before. And, you know, reading the Bible, you start to see like, oh, this is the heart of God. Like, I want that heart. And the more that you want it and the more that you pray for God to give you that heart and the more that you chase after that, your life is changed. Um, In Romans, it talks about um, just letting your mind be renewed and in being transformed um, by the word of God so that you can know what his will for your life is, his perfect and pleasing will. You know, God's will for, or God's desire for everybody is to know him and to have a relationship with him and to love him. You know, he created you, he knit you together in your mother's womb and he has plans for you. Um, But we need to seek him to know what those plans are. And if we're not seeking him, all these awesome things that, you know, he has planned, like you won't necessarily get to experience all of them. You know, it's trying, it's like trying to say, it's like cutting your dad off. I mean, like, all right, dad, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Or I'm just going to talk to you whenever I feel like talking to you. And I'm not, I don't really want anything to do with you, but I want you to help me when I'm in trouble. And all those cool things that you told my brothers and sisters they could have, uh, the ones that still talk to you, yeah, I still want those cool things, but I don't want to have to actually interact with you. That's not how it works, dude, at all. 
And God will come after you even if you're not chasing him. And he will convict your heart. But you have to reciprocate for the relationship to be in good standing. You know, it's like trying to, when you're dating someone or you're going to marry someone, like you spend so much time with that person. Like sometimes a little too much time. Um, But you spend a lot of time with that person because you want to get to know them on a deep, deep personal level. You're talking to them all the time. You're finding ways to show them that you love them. It's the same way with God. How are you going to expect to know him or experience all of the benefits that come with knowing God? And there's a lot of them um, without actually knowing who he is. And there's a pretty scary part of the Bible that talks about, um, you know, on the day of judgment when people are going to come before Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, I healed people in your name and I did this and I did that in your name. And um, Jesus can just be like, sorry, uh, be away, be away from me. Um, be gone from me. I never knew you you evildoers or you who practice lawlessness. And um, that's pretty wild, but it's a fact. Because you can, you know, know who Jesus is. You're like, yeah, he's the son of God. He died for my sins. Okay. But does he know you? That's the real question. Is does he know who you are? And yes, he's all-knowing. He knows you. But have you allowed him into that part of your life to know the deepest part of you, do you have a relationship? That's really what gets it down. What gets down to it is do you have a relationship with him? Because those people that he talked to thought that they did. They're like, yeah, dude, God, we went on all these missions trips and we went to church every Sunday or every once in a while or on Christmas and Easter or we sometimes read our Bible. And, you know, personally, that's something I need to get better at is reading my Bible every day. Um, I have couple weeks where I do great and then I'll struggle for like a week and a half and then I'll do great for a couple weeks and then I'll struggle for a week and a half and then sometimes that week and a half that I struggle turns into a month and then I'm just like what is going on but it seek seek the Lord with all your heart you know the greatest commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and to love others as yourself well loving the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength that's like literally every part of you And to love someone is to be selfless towards that person, to seek them out, to chase them, to have a conversation with them all the time, to to be unashamed of them in front of everybody. You know what I mean? Like you'll see these couples who are just so in love, I guess you could say, whatever your term you want to use for it. But they don't care, you know, they're They'll hold each other's hand. They'll some people go a little bit too far with the PDA, but you know, if they have a good marriage, all right, go for it, dude. Um, but my point in saying that is marriage is a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. And so if Jesus loves us like that, we should be loving him like that. Come on, guys. Reciprocate the love, okay? Reciprocate the love with God and your life will be changed forever. It's true. I've experienced it. And I'm sure there's someone else that you know besides me that's experienced it. And if you haven't, that's okay. I'd love to answer questions if you want to know anything. Whatever, whatever. Also, I would encourage you to just ask God. 
You know, God, what did you mean by that? God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Then open up your Bible and then start reading because this is the word of God, the written, spoken word of God and it is living, alive, and active and it will speak to you. Um, you know, I think another thing that I'm just going to jump forward to really quick is um, it's in Ephesians 4 and it goes along with what I'm trying to say here because I know I talk a lot and I go around in circles. Um, but it has sometimes these subtitles and, or I guess they're title titles in the Bible are helpful. And sometimes they're like, okay, whatever. But this one is instructions for Christian living. I'm like, wow, okay, this is good stuff. And I have notes in my Bible and I wrote dang period after one of them. So that's how you know it's good. When I write dang next to something that's like, dang, that hit, that hit me hard. So, um, we're just going to skip over to chapter four, verse 17. Um, it's all good. I would encourage you to just go read the whole book of Ephesians when you get a chance, but this is good stuff. Uh, so verse 17 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Guys, don't be these people, please. Strive to not be these people who live in ignorance. That saying ignorance is bliss is stupid. Absolutely stupid. Like, ignorance is not bliss. You're living in the complete dark, unknown, sinning without knowing. And then you're going to have to answer to Jesus about that. And you're going to be like, well, I didn't know. Yeah, you did. But you said ignorance is bliss. You know what I'm saying? So because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Guys, pray that God would give you a soft heart. If you're having trouble with something, something in your faith, hard to believe this or hard to understand that, pray what I'm pretty sure Ezekiel says, that um, God would give you a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, that God would give you a heart that understands, that feels, that is sensitive to the Lord's voice, and he'll do it because he said that he would. He'll do it. But you have to be genuine and come to him with a sincere longing and desire to at least experience that and know, you know, all he wants is willingness. Um, and it says, having lost all sensitivity, don't lose your sensitivity to sin. That's terrifying because then you're just sinning and you're not even feeling it anymore. You're just like, yeah, this is okay. Someone's like, no, it's not. And you're like, yeah, it is. Guess what? No, it's not. It's not. And you can't lose your sensitivity because then you have to question, okay, why am I losing my sensitivity to sin? Have I grieved the Holy Spirit? Have I done something that has clouded out his voice? Have I, you know what I mean? And it, And I am not trying to say that like, you have to live this perfect life and that's the only reason why Jesus is going, or that's the only way that Jesus is going to love you and care for you is that you have to be perfect and obedient. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that God gives us the power to live in obedience to him. And when we, knowing that he's given us that power, choose otherwise, you're going to start hearing God less. It's like, it's like spiritual droughts sometimes. Like 
I stopped reading my Bible for like four months, like a year and a half ago. And let me tell you, that was so scary. I was like, Jesus, please, like, I just want to hear your voice. Like, I just want to know, come on, like, help me out here. But I didn't open his word. I wasn't spending time with him. And I was just doing whatever I wanted. Like, that's dumb. You don't do whatever you want. Like, that's just dumb. Because the heart is deceitful above all else. Um, let's continue. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were tart, tart, oh my goodness. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. There's the heart's desires that are deceitful. Um, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Bam, right there. We were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, but because of sin, we're not. But because of Jesus, the truth that is in Jesus and the truth that is Jesus, we are putting off our old self, which is the sinful nature, which is the sinful desires of our heart. And we're putting on the new self, which is Christ's righteousness, Christ's holiness, and his desires in his mind. We need to have the mind of Christ. To do that, you have to be in the word because John 1, 1 talks about the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus. This is our physical Jesus. I think I said this in one of the other podcasts. Like if you want to hear from the Lord, go read your Bible. You don't need to have some spiritual experience on a mountain where you starve yourself for a week and you eat the nuts and berries that you find on the side of the path that you're walking on. Like sure. God obviously can let you have experiences in many different ways, but real simply, you just sit down in the Lord's presence, ask him to give you an open heart and an open ear and, or open ears. You want to hear with both ears what God has to say. Um, and you open up the Bible and you start reading and God will transform your life. All right. Therefore, oh, this is, this is where it gets real convicting and really good. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. So comes from Psalm 4, 4, just in case any of you want to know. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Guys, stop Lying to yourselves and stop lying to your friends, okay? You do not need to create an image for yourself to make you seem cooler than what you actually are. Because guess what? We're all not cool, okay? That's just headline, front front page news. Like, we're not cool. We're only cool because God makes us cool. Now, yes, I guess you could look at some people and be like, yeah, that's a really cool dude. Okay, sure, whatever. Yes, in the world standards, in your heart's standards, that's cool. But you know what's really cool? is someone who stands up for holiness and righteousness. You know what's really cool? is someone who passionately and unashamedly chases after Jesus. You know what's really cool? Hearing about testimonies of Jesus radically changing people's lives and them being free from all these different types of things that they used to struggle with. That, that's really cool. Um, And as far as anger goes, don't, 
let the devil have any place in your life, in your mind, in your heart. And when we stray away from the things that God has called us to do, we are giving room for the devil to sneak in there. And that's not good. Jesus is in control. You need to let Jesus have control of your heart and of your life. And, excuse me, I ate guacamole before this and it's kind of making me burp a little bit. Um, but it says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Like, before you go to bed, if you have anything in your heart, anything bad, unforgiveness, any hate, any anger, whatever that may be, first pray that the Lord would just take it from you. Pray that he would just give you peace and give you the ability to let it go. Lay it at the foot of the cross and get over it. And the other thing is too, is if you feel led or convicted, that person that you're angry with and you're upset at and all these things that you're feeling towards this person or people, tell them, hey, I forgive you. Hey, this is how I'm feeling right now, but I don't want to feel that way anymore. You know, show them that you are genuinely trying, you know, and, and make that effort before God and before people to to live a life that reflects what God has called us to live. And um, don't let the devil have a foothold. The Bible says that he is like a lion prowling around waiting for someone to devour. Like, that's crazy. So any point of weakness, he's going to try to get you. But greater is he that is in you than is than he who is in the world, when you have the Holy Spirit, when you're living for Jesus and you are genuinely seeking him, he's got you. All right, next, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wow. I don't know about you, but literally every single time, I read Ephesians, there's something that I get convicted about. Like, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths. Yeah, when I was younger and I read this, I was like, okay, I say some stupid stuff. And not this doesn't mean that you can't, you know, joke around or have fun. But if it's unwholesome joking, you should not be saying it. If it's unwholesome words, if it's vulgar, if it's inappropriate, you shouldn't be saying it. Because first of all, what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart and so if that stuff's coming in out of your mouth I don't even want to know it's inside your heart but God knows and that's the crazy part God knows and so all of these things that are inside of us that shouldn't be they come out through our mouths and it's a reflection of what's truly in us and we're supposed to be representatives of Jesus and I don't know about you, but I don't think that Jesus would say or do or whatever some of the things that you, that people are doing. I almost said to you people, but I almost, I do some of those things too. Um, so 
sorry, I lost my spot. Oh, I found it. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So don't waste your time. The Bible says that you're going to give an account for every careless word that you speak. Be intentional. Intentional is just the word of the year, I think, really. Be intentional in your relationship with God. Be intentional with your relationship with others. Build them up. Ben- help. Say things that benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't say or do or think things that make him upset and sad. You know, don't break his heart. Please him. Do things that make him smile. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You're bitter in your heart about something? Get rid of it. This rage and anger that you feel against this person or against this situation or even against God? Get rid of it. Brawling? Fighting for no reason? Stop it. Stupid. Slander? Don't talk bad about people behind their backs. I struggled with gossip for so, so long. Because I was like, ooh, I want to know. I want to know all the deets. I want to know what's going on in everybody's life. So when people were like, oh, did you hear? I was like, oh, no, I haven't. But, you know, you can tell me if you want. <sighs> okay. you. I was really the person that wanted to know. Um, and I struggled with that. And God really set me free of that. I do have a hard time with telling other people not to. Like when we're all in groups and people just start talking. Like I struggle with thing. Like, hey, we shouldn't do that. And that's what God's working on me now in regards to gossip goes. But gossip's a real issue, especially with girls. You know, for some reason, we just like to tear each other down and talk bad about people. And like, oh, her boyfriend did that. That's so stupid. Like, oh, she did that. Oh, my gosh. Like, who cares, dude? Why don't we love these people? Maybe they won't do stupid things anymore if we love them. I don't know. Well, I do know. Anyways, um, along with every form of malice, so just anything that is just negative and bad and gossipy and fighty, and that's not a word, but whatever, um, get rid of it. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Let Jesus have it. Let him transform your heart. I'm going to say that a million times. Transform your heart. Because guess what? That thing that someone did that made you so bitter and angry against them, If you let Jesus have that and you let him change your life, the next time someone does that to you or something worse, guess what? You won't feel angry. You won't feel bitter. You'll actually feel compassion towards them. You'll want to pray for them. You'll you'll feel completely different about situations that used to just light the fire, pour some gas on it, and explode. That, That will not happen. It's awesome. Then... Verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. Be kind. Be compassionate. That's what will happen when your heart changes. When you let Jesus in your heart and you truly let him have every piece of you and you allow him to take things that shouldn't be there, kindness and compassion will flow. It'll be hard sometimes, don't get me wrong. Like There are times when some people just push all of the buttons all at one time. And I'm just like, Lord, please help me not punch this person. And guess what? He does help me not punch that person. Yes. He also helps me to not say mean things or to snap back at them or to think mean things about them. Because guess what? He also knows your thoughts. And if you're thinking bad things, 
it's also not good. Um, and it says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love others well, but you can only do that when you love God well. And that goes back to the commandments that I mentioned earlier. Love God and love others. Biggest commandments. Um, if you don't know what love is, the Bible talks about it a lot. God is love. Um, Jesus loved us. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends, which means be selfless. In some cases, it might mean physically, but it also just means to be selfless and to serve other people. Um, but also, 1 Corinthians talks about love as well. It's the verses that you see everywhere, but you have to just put aside the stereotype, put aside the, not the stereotype, the cliche, but love is patient, love is kind, all that fun stuff. Um, it's true. Those are the qualities that God has and that love exhibits. Um, and so love other people that way. Be kind to people, be patient with people. Don't rejoice in evil, but rejoice in the right. Don't hold other people's things that they've done to you, sins, whatever, in the past. Don't hang them over their head. Forgive and move on. Forgive and move on. Um, I kind of leaked into chapter 5 there, but I would just encourage you to keep reading it. Because, you know, it talks about... Um, we're just going to read it. I'm not even going to give you a, a little synopsis. We're, we're just going to read it. We're on 45 minutes. It's fine. If you made it this long, I'm sure you can handle a couple more minutes. Um, verse three of chapter five says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should you be nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So again, going back to the bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, this hits a different kind of thing that we need to rid ourselves of and we need to be thinking about. It says, among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. We're called to live holy lives. And when we're doing things that we shouldn't, when we're going too far in relationships or we're joking about inappropriate things or saying stupid things or we're greedy for ourselves we want money we want this we want that for ourselves like that's not reflecting god's heart um and to further what this is saying um we should be living in a way that doesn't even give other people any room to think that we're being greedy or to think that there's sexual immorality happening or any kind of impurity is going on it's called living above reproach we should be living in a way that reflects Christ truly. So you have to be so careful about the decisions that you make and the things that you do, especially 
around other people because other people are looking at you knowing that you claim Christ. And even if you don't, knowing that you believe in God. And that is not only a reflecting, not not only is that reflecting God, but it reflects on you. And you are supposed to be a representative of Christ. And so we can't think that, oh, this is innocent. I don't struggle with this. I'm going to do it. Well, guess what? The people around you might. And if you are doing these things that other people struggle with that you don't, that's selfish. We should be living so selflessly serving other people that the things that we do, we take into account and we factor in, how is this going to affect those around me? Is it possibly going to make someone stumble? And if we're doing that and if we're living life in that way, serving God and serving others, loving God and loving others, loving God by obeying him and loving others by watching out for their souls as well, that's the way that it should be. And if people still stumble and still struggle, that's their personal issue. But we also need to do our part in serving God and serving others by doing that. And um, when it says that there shouldn't be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So don't joke about this or that or bad things. And I don't really want to give examples because I don't want those thoughts to be in your your mind. But be thankful to the Lord. Practice gratitude. I mean, I've seen so many non-Christian, non-religious organizations and posts and all these different things about practicing gratitude and how helpful and healthy it is for your mental health. It's incredible. And I'm like, okay, well, guess what, guys? You know where you got that from? The Bible. But will you admit it? Probably not. But guess what? It's from the Bible. And so just think about that. You know, think about what you have that you're grateful for and think about who gave it to you and what you're going to do with it. Be a good steward of all the things that God's given you. Um, And then it just says that immoral, impure, greedy people, um, because they're idolizing the things that they want, whether it be um, sex, money, drugs, um, I don't know, cars, I don't know, a bunch of things that people prioritize over other things that are more important. It says that uh, it has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. That's scary. Um, let no one deceive you with empty words, but because of such things, God wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Be obedient to the Lord, guys. And it says, therefore, do not be partners with them. If someone is making you struggle, is making you um, stumble even, or even have thoughts in the wrong direction, then guess what? You probably need to either take a break from that person or not hang out with that person or not speak to that person anymore because your eternity is worth so much more than the temporary friendship or relationship or um, acquaintanceship, whatever you want to say, your eternity and your relationship with the Lord is so much more important than that. And that is what we should value above all else. And we should do whatever it takes to make sure that you and God, that we are good with God. That's really important. Um, okay. I'm going to stop there. Um, I could just read this whole thing because it's so good, but this episode's getting a little long and I want you guys to read it for yourselves as well. Um, to see what God has to tell you out of it. Um, 
you know, sometimes God will highlight different parts for you and you'll feel convicted by certain parts because you're going through a different season of life. Um, so I would just encourage you to, to read Ephesians. Um, start there. If you want to get in the Bible more, start with Ephesians and just go through and read the next book or the book before that or um, text one of your friends who loves the Lord and said, hey, what book of the Bible should I read? Or just pray about it and be like, hey, God, like, where do you want me to go? Um, he'll tell you, he'll show you, and he'll transform your life. Um, I don't know. There's so much I could say. I'm just trying to <laughs> decide how worth it is some of the things, but it's all worth it. God is worth it. He's worthy. He's awesome. Um, I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you. Let's pray before I start rambling again. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, God, and for waking us up and giving us purpose. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that purpose and that we would um, confidently go about our lives knowing who you are and whose we are. Lord, we belong to you and you love us and you care for us, God. Lord, I pray that you would just um, open up our eyes to see what you're doing in our lives, God, and open up our ears to hear your voice. Lord, I pray um, just that your spirit would just pour out over us, God, and over the people that are listening to this, and um, that they would just hear your voice so clearly, Lord, more clear than they've ever heard your voice, Lord Jesus, that you would um, refine us and shape us and mold us into the people that you've created us to be. Lord, I pray that you would um, reveal to us the ways that we've broken your heart, God, the ways that we have have fallen short, Lord, that we've strayed, that we've disobeyed, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would um, grant us repentance, Lord Jesus, and that we would just fall on our knees before you and surrender. God, I pray that um, you would just help us to see your power, God, and that we would experience you in ways that We've never experienced you before, God, and that we would be able to live lives worthy of the calling that you've placed in our lives and worthy of the kingdom. God, I pray that you would um, give us a a deep hunger, a deep thirst for your word, God, and a deep desire to be holy like you are holy, God, and to be righteous as you are righteous. God, I pray for the distractions in our lives, God, that they would go away, Lord Jesus, and that we would, um, through you, have the power, self-control, and ability to say no to ungodliness and to say no to distractions. Lord, I just um, lift up these people to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would just strengthen them um, and that you would show them how powerful you are. God, you are so good, and I'm so grateful for all the cool things that you do in our lives and for the grass, (laughs) for the grass that is just so beautiful. And I pray that you would just help us to appreciate the things as small as grass, God. Um, and that we would just have hearts full of gratitude. I pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.